0: You are listening to the Homeland Heroes Salute, sharing stories to heal and honor our heroes. This podcast is brought to you by the Homeland Heroes Foundation and produced by Dairy Cam. Today's episode is sponsored by Elliott Health System, providing quality, compassionate care to our community for over 130 years. This podcast sometimes deals with mature content that may not be suitable for a younger audience and could be triggering for some individuals, Discretion is advised. The views expressed by our guests and others are solely their own. No views expressed in this podcast represent any of the uniform services, the Homeland Heroes Foundation, Dairy Cam, or any other organization. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Homeland Heroes Salute. My name is Alyssa. To hear the first part, and go back now and listen to our previous episode. So, can you tell us uh, some more about your combat experience?
1: Maybe, so you you were in Saudi Arabia?
2: Yeah, that's really not even 20s. that. Really wasn't even really any combat. That was yeah. just patching up planes <laughs> and sending them out. Yeah. Combat experience came with no slack. My unit that I was with in the army. Okay. Um,
1: and that's later in life. Yeah,
2: that was that was well. I went back in at 39, yeah. so I deployed roughly a year later. So I'd have been roughly a little little over 40 years old at the time. Okay. And uh, so we, I deployed to uh, Kunar province, Afghanistan, which is on the Eastern border of Afghanistan, okay. right with Pakistan. Mm-hmm. And our unit's mission was to patrol the borders between Pakistan and, and Afghanistan. A lot of insurgents would come over from Pakistan. Sure. And so we had that whole area in, in the Kunar province that we maintained a supply route. Um, up and down that eastern area of the, where the Kunar River flows. Um, my, my, my first experience um, with that was when I really hadn't left yet. Um, mm-hmm. I had to have some ankle surgery to repair some issues with my ankle so that I could have full function and be able to run and do what I needed to do. Sure. Um, roughly, trying to think, we deployed in April. Yeah, it would have been June. So, was that three months roughly? Mm -hmm. Um, A group of guys that I knew um, were on a mission and they were in an up armored Humvee rather than an actual full blown, um, our full blown uh, up armored vehicles that we used over there, which are Max Pros and Matt Vs. they were in an up armored and Humvee and they hit an IED mm. and I still being back in the States, number one, I instantly felt guilty because I was not there. Yeah. Even though I wasn't an infantry guy, those guys were in the unit. I trained with those guys for two years, you know, almost two years, year and a half. And I should have been there, but because of my issues with my ankle, I couldn't. Mm-hmm. So number one, I couldn't be there. Number two, um, attending the the funeral service after, you know, they brought guys back home and several of them went to their home states. Mm -hmm. But, uh, first Sergeant Barton, uh, he was, um, he was an entry guy and we always joked because I'm not infantry, but so we'd always joke and he'd call me a pogue, but he knew that I was there sincerely and I was trying to do my best for in whatever situation I was actually attached to his company Mm -hmm. um, during all of our training exercises. So I, I, I didn't like, I didn't know him personally, but I knew that he was a good leader and I knew that he realized that, we were there to do a job and we were there to support them and get them home safe, no matter what it was. And if I had to pick up a rifle to shoot back, I was going to do, he knew that I, he knew that if it came down to it, I would have his back just like he had mine. Yeah. Cause in the recovery scenarios that we did, um, you know, we're in a hostile area, a vehicle gets overturned, blown up, whatever the case is. It was my job to go in and get that out of the way so that we could continue the mission. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times you're doing those things. In fact, I did a lot of times in country. I'm, I'm doing that job and I'm getting shot at. Yeah. And I'm trusting those guys to have my back. Sure. So when he came home in a casket instead of home to his family, it hit me pretty hard. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I haven't talked a lot about it. Um, well,
1: thank you for sharing that today.
2: Yeah, it was... So that hit me pretty hard. That was the first. I mean, even though I wasn't there, that was that was kind of like I don't know. I don't I don't know how to really put that into words.
1: Yeah, it's uh, heavy.
2: Yeah, that wasn't the first one though. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. you know, I had another one that I hadn't deployed yet. I had another one where um, Staff Sergeant Shaw, he and I he was on rear D for a certain period of time waiting for his youngest now his only his last child (laughs) to be born. And so he and I would do certain details together. Mm -hmm. And that dude was, he was a, he's a riot. He always had a knack of making people laugh. Really? Always had a knack. Just, just joking around, cutting up, just an (laughs) all around good guy. Mm -hmm. And, uh, His last child was born, and about a week later, he deployed. Um, Maybe a little over a week after that, maybe a week and a half. (sighs) (sighs) He lost his life saving Afghan National Army guys.
1: Wow.
2: Putting his life on the line for somebody else. People he didn't even know. Mm -hmm. So that was that was another one. And uh it's basically when all this is going on, you know, I'm I'm grieving for them, I'm grieving for the loss that their families had.
1: Yeah.
2: And at the same time in the back of my mind, because I have a wife and kids, I'm thinking, You're going. That could be you. Yeah. So, it was very sobering.
1: Yeah, that's a good way to put it.
2: Very sobering.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, we lost 18 guys in the deployment that we had. Wow. I say 18. It's 18, 17 guys, one, one female who was an MP. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So... That that's probably the the first experience
0: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, put a little fear of me. Sure. But when I finally got over and I got in country, um, I was at uh, forward operating base Joyce, and I was there for about a month. Mm-hmm. And I was I was going stir crazy because it was that shop mentality, mm-hmm. and I. I didn't thrive very well in that I didn't thrive very well in that environment when I was in the Air Force. And I finally went to my uh, I went to my senior NCO and I went to my uh, um, chief and requested to be sent to an outpost.
1: So what does what does that entail?
2: Um, it just I just went to him. I said, listen, I'm I I need to be out of this. I need to go to an outpost. I need to go help there. I need to do whatever I need to do to get things done there. I said, I, I functioned better when I was on the flight line in the Air Force. Yeah. I think better on my feet. I, I, it's just mentally better for me. Yeah. And so they said, all right, well, we're short handed up at Monty, Cop Monty, Combat Outpost Monty. I'm like, all right, I don't know where that is, but okay. So, um, they sent me to Cop Monty. And, uh, kind of interesting. I got there and, uh, unloaded on the LZ, which is called it's the landing zone. Mm-hmm. Unloaded there, pulled all my stuff up, went to the, the head at the headquarters there at the cop, did the end processing thing real quick. And then so oh, go find a place of bunk. Your, your guys for mechanics are over in this area. Mm-hmm. So I had to go find them and um, as I'm looking, as I'm trying to find them, um, I kind of walked past the motor pool, what they consider motor pool where, where we would take care of making sure all the vehicles are running and up to speed. So mm-hmm. those guys can do what they need to do. And, uh, just maybe a couple of months prior to, uh, they had hit, they had been hit. Okay. They'd been attacked. Um, across from the motor pool where, where some three barracks were those barracks were destroyed and burned to the ground wow. and um i actually escorted one of the guys that were killed in that anthony simmons i escorted him from dover delaware to his home in tallahassee for his internment and uh another sobering moment yeah <laughs> yeah that that Anthony Simmons and his brother, his brother was in our unit too. His brother's name was Nick.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, they're actually, Nick is interviewed in the, uh, there's two documentaries. One is called The Hornet's Nest that Mike and Carlos Betcher did. It's a documentary it as a 2 8 Marines. It has 101st Rocket then it has my unit, 2nd, 327, No Slack. And the majority of the movie, that documentary is about our last mission in Afghanistan. Okay. But, there's a follow-up to that called No Greater Love, and in No Greater Love, our chaplain sits down and interviews Nick Simmons,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and it was his brother Anthony that was killed in that attack that had happened, oh, where I ended up getting sent. Yeah, and I had escorted him home. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's amazing the thread and how things are woven together throughout throughout your life, and that was yeah. one of them. Wow. And so I ended up serving at Kalmani and um, it was some pretty hairy times.
1: Yeah. Can you talk about any of those? Um, any funny I, moments that happened?
2: I, I, oh, there's always funny moments. <laughs> you're, you're, you're attached to an infantry unit with a bunch of guys who are facing death on a daily basis while they're deployed whether it be by improvised explosive device ID or a um, suicide bomber
1: yeah,
2: or, you know, mortar rounds coming in, small arms fire. So it's, it's a, and we were regularly attacked,
1: <clears throat> Yeah,
2: regularly attacked. They would shoot rockets at us. They would oh shoot recoilless round, uh, recoilless rifles, small arms, fire mortar rounds. Mm-hmm. It's, it gets to the point where you first get there and you're like, Oh, more attack. So you'd run for cover and you get into the bunkers. After about, I don't know, two, maybe three. Yeah, they're attacking us again. Some guys don't even roll out of bed. Oh my god. You just try to get some sleep.
1: Yeah.
2: Or you or if you're on duty, you head down to the LZ, jump in a gun truck, protect the perimeters. Yeah stuff like that, but there is always, they're always, we always cutting up, doing stuff, Mm -hmm. playing pranks on each other. (laughs) I mean, I, I don't remember any particular ones. I just know that it was constant. Just, I mean, Oh, I, I do have one. (laughs) (laughs) So part of the maintenance, um, there are certain things that the driver and the crew of the truck have to do. And then there's things the mechanics do. The the things the mechanics do are typically a little more in-depth. Yeah. We're usually assisting. We're doing inspections and we're assisting the drivers and certain things. And one of the things was, uh, like, we had washer fluid. And you wouldn't think anything of this, but (laughs) this washer fluid happened to be flammable. (laughs) And there was some that was out of date. Oh, no. And so we were burning some trash and stuff. And it was only just combustibles, like paper and cardboard and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. We didn't typically throw anything else in there, but one of the, uh, one of the entry guys flammable. I don't believe that. I said, (laughs) there's your barrel burning. Throw it over there and watch. He didn't believe me. Leave the after. (laughs) Throws it over there and kind of starts bubbling and stuff. And then all of a sudden,
1: Oh my God. No more eyebrows.
2: (laughs) That actually happened to one of our mechanics because he didn't believe it either, but yeah, just kind of funny stuff sometimes.
1: Yeah. Uh,
2: Either that, or you uh, create a, a, an MRE bomb where you take the, the burner, the, the heat heating element from an MRE, because it's water to, to it's the chemical reaction with water that creates the heat. And so you take this package you rip it open, you take that heating pad that's usually in it, and you pour a little water in it, and then you roll that up and <laughs> seal it, and you just throw it over behind something.
1: And the MRE the is y- your meal.
2: Yeah. <laughs> okay. So this is the heating part of it. Okay. So you can eat the meal without it being heated. <laughs> it wasn't necessarily great, but you could do it. And so you throw that over in the side and just walk away. <laughs> Next thing you know, I mean, it would be a pretty loud, pretty loud explosion. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. In the cool times, we'd actually uh, we'd get with uh, the the uh, chow hall and do a special order and order up like steaks or hot links or something, Then we would just make our own cookout certain parts time. Yeah,
1: there's a lot of camaraderie. Camaraderie.
2: Huge amount of camaraderie, and like I said, even though I was a pogue person other than a grunt, that's that's what a pogue is, and I always got always got crap for it. They always included us which was cool.
1: Awesome. That's, yeah. that's really good to hear.
2: I still, I still get called a pogue, but you know, it is what it is.
0: <laughs> it's with said, love now. <laughs> it's
2: it kind of a little more love. I mean, I, there's a lot of guys that probably, I don't know. I can't speak for anybody else. Mm-hmm. I know that uh, where I was at, um, I didn't like sitting back, letting someone else do something that I wasn't willing to do myself. Yeah. And so there are a lot of times we would get hit. I'd run down to the mortar pit and I'd help the guys hang mortars and return fire or I'd jump in a gun truck and I'd return fire that way or drive the gun truck to where it needed to be and make sure the ammo was fed. Um, just different things like that.
1: Yeah. It's good. Uh, good mindset to have, I suppose.
2: Yeah. I didn't like sitting there (laughs) and not wondering if I was going to be next and not be able to do anything about it. I didn't, that was, that didn't sit well with my mindset at all. Absolutely.
1: Um, so is there anything you miss about that time?
2: I miss the camaraderie. Yeah. I don't miss the BS. Sure. You know, the getting word that your formation, you had to be at formation at 2 a.m., but the formation is not really till like five, but you got to be there at two because that's just the way things work. Yeah. I don't miss any of that. <laughs> um, there's some politics that takes place. Ours wasn't too bad. I don't, I don't think it was too bad. Either that or just had my eyes closed to it. Sure. Um, but I missed the camaraderie. Yeah.
1: Yep. Um, while So how long were you stationed um, overseas for?
2: So our unit was there for one year. Okay. I was there for, I think it was nine months.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I, it's because I deployed late because of the surgery that I had on my ankle.
1: Sure.
2: Um, the prior, the prior deployments they had uh, with no Slack. Uh, they were 15 months in Iraq.
1: Okay.
2: I had gotten to Fort Campbell just after they had returned from Iraq, a 15 month deployment from Iraq. Okay. And that they lost quite a few guys in that one too. I didn't know any of those guys, but I understand. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: any special events that you missed back home while you were out?
2: Um, Christmas, mm-hmm. Thanksgiving, Um Missed birthdays. Yeah. Um, the, the basic stuff like that. Um, I was fortunate due to my surgery that I was able to take my oldest son to Junior Olympics two years in a row. Wow. It happened, just so happened that right before I was to deploy, he qualified. I drove him down. Oh, wow. I either drove him to I can't remember the order. It was either Virginia Beach and then New Orleans, or New Orleans and Virginia Beach. I don't remember. So he could compete in the Junior Olympics yeah, what sport? track. He is uh the first year he did steeplechase. Okay. And then the second year he competed in the four by eight hundred if I remember correctly.
1: And is he he's in college now?
2: Uh, he's actually um, married, has two kids, lives in Texas. Oh wow. Yeah, he he um he does loan I can't remember exactly what it is. It does something with loans and such for a credit union
1: mm-hmm. in Texas. <clears throat> now you have three other children.
2: correct? I have technically four of the children.
1: Or five altogether. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, so can you share like how old they are? Like, what so are they So
2: the oldest, Ashley's 30. She turned 30 this last April. She lives in uh, Dallas. Uh, has two children. Uh, she just separate She just celebrated her wedding anniversary on the first. Oh, wow two days ago. Awesome. Um, and then I have my son, Rhett, who lives in, in Ennis, Texas, outside of Ennis, Texas. He's been married. He got married at 17. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I actually performed the ceremony. Wow. Yeah. It was, I knew that they, <laughs> that, they that they were meant to be together and oh, yeah. they're a really good team. Yeah. So he has two children. Um, I don't, I don't get to talk to him very much. Sure. Um, and then I have another son, Garrett, who will be, Trying to think 24, only 24 in January. Okay, it's hard to keep that easy <laughs> straight. Um, he's actually in the Air Force right now at Seymour Johnson Air Force Base. I was gonna
1: ask if any of any your yep. children have followed you. Yep,
2: he's at Seymour Johnson Air Force Base in North Carolina. <clears throat> uh, and then I have a daughter, McKenna, who will be 21 in March. She's at University of Southern Maine.
1: Oh, awesome. And then I'm I have, in, so. Okay. familiar with that campus <laughs>
2: yeah. so I have another daughter Kirsten who will be 20 next August If mm-hmm. I remember right <laughs> yes 20 next August she was born in uh, she was born in 2000 okay uh, she's at US, USM also Cool. yeah so they both go to school there she transferred there this this over the summer
1: yeah what are they studying
2: um, Kirsten is studying um, American Sign Language. Oh, wow. I I don't remember exactly what the degree path is, but she's doing sign language stuff. And then uh, McKenna is kind of like, was looking at education, was Mm -hmm. looking at physical therapy, and (laughs) now I think she's probably going to go radiology. So she may withdraw and go over to the, um, was it Southern Maine Community College?
1: Yep. For the radiology program. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So your middle child Followed yep. you into yep. the military. Yeah. How was that process when he was going through that?
2: I knew he was going to. He was in uh, JROTC since yep. he was a freshman in high school. Okay. And he thrived. That's yeah. really where he kind of found himself. Um. He's uh his Air Force career is hasn't been that great. He, I would have to say that if if you looked at the military and you looked at politics. Mm-hmm. And that whole politics of military is ridiculous because it's always, it's more, in my mind, it's more about someone trying to make themselves look better than the other person Mm -hmm. rather than just being a team and doing the job. Yeah. I, I, I encountered it when I was in the air force. That's one of the reasons why I decided to get out. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was a lot of, you know, you're not doing it the way I want you to. So even though I did the job and I did it well, and I did it, I did it the way it needed to be done. Right. But it wasn't to someone else's standards, their liking. And I didn't play their political games. Like I worked, typically I work graveyards or swing shift, which is afternoons and nights. Mm -hmm. And so, because I didn't take my days off or my time to go do a community event, I was looked down upon sometimes. So (laughs) the politics thing. Yeah. So he unfortunately is in an area where that's kind of prevalent. Mm -hmm. And so he works on jet engines. F-16s primarily.
1: Okay.
2: And uh, he's kind of like, dad, I didn't know it was going to be like this. Said, well, every place is different. And yeah. I wasn't going to spoil my experience. I wasn't going to spoil yours based on mine. I yeah. was hoping that maybe it would be a little different than where you were going.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So, because he was initially looking at going in the army and I told him, I said, you can go either one, yeah. whichever one you prefer to do. I said, you're going to have a little bit better lifestyle in the Air Force than you would in the army. It's more like a job. You get up, you go do your job, you go home. Yeah. Whereas in the Army, we would be there sometimes as early as three or four in the morning. And sometimes we're there as late as seven, eight at night.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So it's a little different, different uh, environment. Yeah. So he chose Air Force. And unfortunately, it hasn't been that great for him. I don't think he regrets it. I just think he wishes it would be better. <clears> and <throat> it's a shame. that. Something. Well, it's a shame you have... Instead of a lot of times promotions are based on gaining certain knowledge and passing certain tests, and you have no leadership qualities whatsoever, mm-hmm. and so they still get the promotion and they get a further advancement in rank, and then they let that stuff go to their heads, yeah, and they operate that way, and they treat everyone below them, yeah, like crap, <laughs> and it's. I've never led that way. Even right. in my, even when I was younger, I, when I played on any teams or anything like that, i uh, yeah, it was just, I don't know. The I, there are people starts. that are that way and it's just ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, you see it every day in the corporate world too.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm, I work in marketing and there's uh, a couple people. people yeah. that, um, I've noticed through the, through the last few years of my kind of career has been, a. Uh, they, they get that title or that pay raise or whatever it is. Yeah. And they think
2: that their shit doesn't stink. Exactly <laughs> right. Exactly right. <laughs> Not and, it, and it, it happens, it happens in the military too. It happens, <laughs> yeah. it happens in all branches, but I think it happens a little more in the Air Force from, from experience than, than, yeah. than with Army. You know, I think one of the things that stuck out in my mind because it was a, it was kind of how I already, already had been living my life. Mm-hmm. I, I led by example. Even even when I wasn't in, I started having kids or I was working with young adults or youth or whatever. It's Youth are pretty uh, pretty savvy. They can tell when someone's BSing them. Yeah. They can tell when you're talking a good game, but you can't walk the walk typically. Yeah. And so I used to work with youth. And so my whole mindset was like, I'm going to lead by example. Mm-hmm. I may not always be right, but I will lead by example. Yeah. And if I'm wrong, I'll admit it. Yeah. And so that's how I pretty much had lived my life, even for my kids. Um, you know, there were times where I reacted certain ways with my kids and later on found out that how I reacted was not the way it needed to be and it was not in line. And so I'd go back and apologize. Yeah. You know,
1: that that shows coming. I'm very close with my dad. So and, I, and he's kind of been that way. So I know. Coming from like a, a child's perspective that there's a lot of respect that we have for our parents when they oh. act like that. So,
2: yeah, I think too many parents are afraid to talk about their failures and their mistakes. Yeah. And they try and cover them up and then they don't They they go. They they do the Don't do this. Don't do that thing to the mm-hmm. kids and the kids like but You did it. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: And you don't really as a parent, they don't really want to go into that because to them it's embarrassing. Mm hmm. Well, yeah, it is embarrassing, but sometimes your kid needs to hear what's going on and yeah. why you chose that way and why it was a bad decision.
1: You're human too.
2: Exactly right. So, and so that's the thing. I felt like the leadership in the army was superior to the leadership I had in the air force. And I think that's what my son's experiencing as well. Yeah. Um, you know, people get rank and then they think because they have rank, they can tell people what to do mm-hmm. instead of being a team player and lead by example.
1: Yeah. Now growing up, with your, your children growing up, did you share with them some of these stories of um, uh, from your experiences um, throughout all of it or?
2: Some, yeah. I, I, I haven't shared everything from, I think the most prominent experience I had was while I was in the army. Okay. I really, uh, that's, it was a lot more physically demanding it was a lot more emotionally and mentally challenging, mm-hmm. even I mean, they say Air Force is more mentally challenging. Um, it takes a lot to serve in a combat zone,
1: mm-hmm.
2: knowing that you're going to continually get attacked. Yeah. Still do your job. And, and not break down. Yeah. In my opinion. Sure. Yeah. Um, so you know, I've I've shared a few things. I haven't shared probably as much as I probably should have. And I, it's weird. I think for me, the environment has to be right. Yeah. To where it, it's easier for me to talk uh, about those things when I'm talking with another vet who's been through those things. Yeah. Or something very similar. Like I can talk to Vietnam vet, and I know that a lot of the things that they faced are very similar to what we faced in mm-hmm. Afghanistan you know, having a uniformless army. Like you had a uniform army, but at the same time, there were there were other sides that in the Vietnam where they'd walk through into a village and one day everything's all friendly, everything's good. They come back the next day and they're getting attacked. The same thing happened in Afghanistan.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: So there are some similarities with that, but at the same time, I find it. I don't usually talk when a vet's talking, but I, I feel like I could share a few things if the discussion went that way. Yeah. Whereas my buddies, like I went home, I went back to uh, Fort Campbell a couple of weeks ago for a unit reunion. I Mm -hmm. think that's the reason why I wasn't able to do one of these earlier
1: Yeah.
2: and um, just hanging around with guys and, just mellow, no expectations and just started sharing stories and it's easier. So if my family's around in that environment, yeah. it's easier for them to hear those things. It's easier for me to share those things. Mm-hmm. I don't typically just share them.
1: Oh, well, I appreciate you coming here today and sharing them.
2: Well, it's like I said, I, when I, we talked before is, you know, if, if I can share something and it, yeah. it hits home and relates to some, you know, someone else can relate to it. Hopefully, hopefully it'll help them. Yeah. Yeah. So, be
0: a very therapeutic process.
2: I, I agree.
0: <laughs> for part three, tune into the next episode of the Homeland Heroes Salute. This podcast is brought to you by the Homeland Heroes Foundation, an organization dedicated to the re support of active duty service members, veterans, and their families in their time of need. To learn more, visit HomelandHeroesFoundation.org. Thank you to our production team at DairyCam, creating connection through story for a better world. Learn more by visiting DairyCam.org. Today's episode is sponsored by Elliott Health System, providing quality, compassionate care to our community for 130 years. Thank you for listening and make sure you subscribe to the Homeland Hero Salute wherever you listen to podcasts.